0: Well, good morning and welcome to church. Let me add to Pastor Jackie's welcome. It's great to have you again with us this Sunday. Uh, a special welcome if you're watching for the first time joining us. Um, we really encourage you if you are watching for the first time to let us know. Say hi in the comments or send us um, a fill in a connect card uh, and let us know that you're, you're connecting with us and, and checking it out. Uh, it's really important that there's no other way for us to, to get to know you if you're, if you're new and watching. Uh, we don't know who's watching just um, we get some numbers and that's it no name so use the connect card um, download uh, the app called church center and check in because uh, that helps us sort of get to know who's coming to church and, and watching every week uh, all those things uh, help us and um, maybe this morning you're watching with another family or with you've got someone over and um, and as the restrictions begin to ease again we're really encouraging people to to get together as they feel comfortable and as they're able to to watch and participate in church together. Um, Yeah, and that's a a really cool thing that we can do. And and until we can meet in person and as we um, wait for what the latest restrictions might be, we will um, see what that means for for our our gatherings on a Sunday and and whether we can meet uh, in person, which we're really excited and, and, and can't wait to do. Hey, I just wanted to give you a quick update on a few things that have been happening um, over the course of the month. Um, some of which you would have received uh, emails about, um, uh, and I suppose the biggest the biggest news is um, we have we, as in uh, myself, along with church council, have put to put forward a recommendation to call Steve Poss, um, Pastor Jackie's husband, as associate pastor for the kids and families role. Now, for those who don't remember or weren't um, aware, about uh, 18 months ago, we created two pastoral positions, two associate pastor positions, uh, one for youth and young adults and one for kids and families. Um, Pastor Lauren um, was appointed as a youth and young adults um, pastor uh, at the time, back in um, just over a year ago now, back at the start of September, she began. And uh, we had a position for kids and families open uh, for 12 hours a week um, since then as well, uh, and through the through the last 18 months we 've been in discussions with a few different people um, and then uh, in the last two months, we had two applicants to to the position um, and one of those was Steve Poss we interviewed both applications uh, one was from outside our church and one was from within and that was Steve um, and it was a unanimous decision from church council to to recommend Steve. To this role. Uh, we're very excited about um, what Steve will bring to, to the Ministry for, for Kids and for Families. Uh, and the Kids and Families role is, is an oversight, a pastoral oversight of what happens on a, on a Sunday morning for our primary school age kids' ministry, our Croatian toddlers, and also our playgroups through the week. Um, so that role will sort of be the pastoral oversight for those three big ministries. Uh, and so, that is going to go to a special church meeting on the 29th of November. So just in a, in a few weeks' time, we're going to do a, a, a church meeting, which we'd already planned to do one on that day anyway, and that will be online. We'll do that on Zoom again, uh, and details for, for that will be out uh, very shortly. Um, within the next week, we should be emailing out um, documents, agendas, um, all those sorts of um, items that you need, as well as links for the, for the meeting. Um, but Church Council and myself are, are very excited to 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 recommend Steve to the role and th- there is um, a document with more detail about the process, how we got to it, um, the decisions um, and the like and that is in the newsletter, that was emailed out as well earlier in the week. So I'd encourage you if you haven't to, to have a read of that but if you have questions feel free to shoot me an email, give us a call, um, or get in touch with any of the church council members. We'd be more than happy to to talk you through the process and how we got to that point, um, as well as have discussion on the day of the the special church meeting. The other thing that um, we've been doing the church council over the past month or two is is looking at uh, how best to use the the funds that we've uh, received in this year through different government stimulus. Um, mainly through JobKeeper, we qualified for that earlier in the year when the pandemic first began. Um, you might remember um, us in, I think it was our May meeting talking about this. Um, we, we qualified for that for the, for the period of six months for three of our four staff members, um, which, which really meant that we had um, an excess amount of cash coming in because, believe it or not, up at to the end of October, our tithes and offerings uh, are above our budget by about $150 per week. So we are currently sitting $150 a week above our anticipated budget for the year, despite um, what's been going on. So from myself, from church council, from from the whole pastoral team, we say thank you for your continued um, commitment and generosity through this year. We have just been completely blown away by the generosity and the way in which our church has continued to to show their commitment and, and stay connected during this time. Um, but we feel that with all this extra cash, and it's been over, I believe, over $120,000 um, of JobKeeper and stimulus grants that we've received throughout the year so far, um, we really felt it, uh, a responsibility to invest that wisely. Um, and we had earlier on said, well, maybe we could use it for a building Um, fund, we're looking at building redevelopments, we need to make the generational space bigger for our kids and youth. Um, But we really felt led to to invest um, some of this money back into staffing um, over the course of a two-year period. And so what we're going to propose at the November 29 meeting, and again there'll be documents out around some more detail around this. Um, but is to really invest uh, around $60,000 per year over two years, so around that $120,000 mark, up to that much, Um, and invest and and provide more hours around the kids and families, um, community engagement, the online campus, which um, we've really discovered is reaching people that uh, we haven't reached before, so we want to put some more pastoral oversight in terms of this online ministry and continue it when we meet back in person. Uh, we really think that there's an opportunity to, to reach people that may be shut into their own homes, uh, living in remote places, um, unable f- or, um, to come to, to larger gatherings for, for a variety of different health reasons. Um, so, there's a real opportunity to, to invest in, and to, yeah, to, to see that online campus continue and flourish and to reach more people through that. Uh, and also to, to invest some of those extra hours into Young Adults Ministry. We've also already got Youth and Young Adults um, Pastor, um, but ultimately it's only a very limited um, time frame and, and hourly role, so just to um, have some more targeted ministry in the Young Adults area. With all that being said, we still um, are, are working towards um, some building plans. We've got a building committee that's been meeting through the course of the last few months looking at all the different needs of the building and and a path forward and you'll hear more about that soon. We're going to start holding some forums and some um, opportunity for people to to have discussion and to sort of work out the details of that together. Um, And so there is still, believe it or not, ample money in the bank account for, for us to seed um, some money into a building development in a significant way, and so we'll do that as well um, over the course of however long that takes. Um, at the end of the two-year period um, of, that, of two years of an, an extra $60,000 in staffing, we'll revert back to what we are currently this year, um, unless of course our tires and offerings warrant us to, to sustain those hours uh, in staffing. Uh, we will revert back. So it's just a two-year commitment. We're not saying that this is a precedent for, for years to come that um, we're going to increase our budget by sixty thousand dollars per year. Um, we're just saying we're going to run, uh, we're going to spend an extra sixty thousand dollars per year over two years above our budget because we've got it in the bank already. Uh, so I think it's a really exciting time. I think there's so much opportunity for us to, um, in a post-COVID um, season, to to reach people that are maybe looking for connection, looking for community, looking for ways to, um, I suppose, discover God, discover faith, discover purpose, discover meaning. And and we really believe that we're well positioned to to minister to our community, to reach people um, and to serve those within our church uh, as best we can. And so... I really encourage you to pray over the next few weeks as we lead up to that important meeting on November 29th um, to ask any questions, uh, that things that don't make sense. Um, we really want the church to be on board and, and on this journey together. And so I'm, I'm praying that you would yeah, take these things seriously, read through the, the documents as they're emailed out over the course of the week, next week or two um, and, and make sure you're familiar with them, make sure you understand them um, so that we can, we can launch into 2021 with... Um, even more fervour and uh, excitement and, and um, anticipation of what God might do amongst us. Well, um, with all that being said, I am here this morning also to, to preach and to encourage you around the Word of God. We've been looking at, um, over the last few weeks, uh, stories of old. We've just been handpicking a few Old Testament stories uh, and reading them and discovering what it is that God is teaching us about himself, about us. And better his plan for us. And this morning, I want to read um, a part of a story. I don't want to read the whole thing because that would be um, all the time that I would allocate. Uh, so I just want to read part of it, summarize a few bits, and, and just encourage us for a few moments. So if you've got your Bibles with you, uh, 2 Chronicles chapter 20 is where we're going to be spending most of our time. Uh, it's the story of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat. So I'm going to read verses 1 to 4 to to set this up. It says, After this, the Moabites and the Ammonites, together with some of the Meunites, came to fight against Jehoshaphat. People came and told Jehoshaphat, A vast number from beyond the Dead Sea and from Edom have come to fight against you. They are already in Hazozon Tamar. Hazozon Tamar. Try to say that fast. That is in Gedi. Jehoshaphat was afraid and he resolved to seek the Lord. Then he proclaimed a fast for all Judah who gathered to seek the Lord. They even came from all the cities of Judah to seek him. And if we skip down to verse 20 to 24, it says, In the morning they got up early and went out to the wilderness of Tekoa. As they were about to go out, so now the armies are just about upon them, and so they're going out to, to this battle, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God. And you will be established. Believe in his prophets and you will succeed. Then he consulted with the people and appointed some to sing for the Lord and some to praise the splendor of his holiness. When they went out in front of the armed forces, they kept singing. Give thanks to the Lord for his faithful love endures forever. The moment they began their shouts and prayers as the Lord set an ambush against the Ammonites, Moabites and the inhabitants of Mount Seir who came to fight against Judah, And they were defeated. The Ammonites and the Moabites turned against the inhabitants of Mount Seir and completely annihilated them. When they had finished with the inhabitants of Seir, they they helped destroy each other. And when Judah came to a place overlooking the wilderness, they looked for the large army, but they were only corpses lying on the ground. Nobody had escaped. So God, this morning, we thank you for your word. We thank you for... The way in which you speak to us through it, and God, we pray this morning that you might do the same, that you might use your Holy Spirit, enable us to hear your voice, to be encouraged by it, uh, to be challenged by it. Change us, we pray this morning, in Jesus' name, amen. As you uh, uh, may be aware, probably are aware, I've got two young boys, and, and part of um, having two young kids is... Um, listening to them in their various amounts of uh, excitement at different times of the day, um, shouting, running around, going crazy, uh, but also quieter times where they're singing. Um, you know, they're just so expressive. I don't know if all kids are like this, but our kids are very expressive. Um, my older boy, Harrison, is turning, who just turned five on Friday, happy birthday, Harry, um, loves to stand in front of this. We've got this smart clock and you can say, hey, Google, play so-and-so, and he loves to stand in front of that clock and say, hey Google, play High School Musical, or hey Google, play The Greatest Showman," or hey Google, play Song Young and Free, or whatever the song that he wants to listen to, and he'll just sit in front of this speaker, listen to the music, and sing along with it. And most of the time when he's doing that, he's fumbling through the words, trying to listen to what they're saying, and, and keep on top of the lyrics as they're going, try to figure out the melody. I mean, it's it's just creative license, the way he sings. And, and Judah, the same, sings la-la-la, a few little words here and there. Um, normally, Judah's songs just end in screaming, just singing as loud as he can. That's what he thinks is the the aim of singing. Um, not sure if he's going to be a singer, but we'll we'll find out. But I just love the way kids sing and express themselves. It just comes from the heart. There is no... Um, embarrassment. There's no fear. There's no shame. There's no. There's no thought in their mind. I wonder what people are thinking of me. I wonder what Mum and Dad think. I wonder if I'm if I sound okay. I wonder if I'm singing the right words. I wonder if I'm singing in tune. I wonder if they like this. I wonder if they want to be quiet. Often, yes, we do. They don't think like that at all. They just are in that moment, just singing their hearts out, having the best time. I think as we get older, so much of our concern comes around how it sounds what we say and I think even more so as we continue in our walk with God this is true when we come to our prayer life when we come to sing we, we begin to um, more deeply analyze the words in which we're praying the words that we're singing. Um, some of us might say well I don't sing because I can't sing And of course that's not true. There's nobody that can't sing. It's just that we choose not to sing. Maybe our singing's not as good. Maybe we'll never be on a stage singing. But the truth is we can sing. So much of our concern as we get older is how we pray or how we sing. And we forget what it's like to be like a child, to be free to sing, to be free to pray, to say from our heart what it is that we want to say towards God. Even every night as we pray with our boys, the things that they're thankful for, we always say, what are you thankful for? And they'll just look at different things in the room and think about different things in the day and you think, oh, that seems a bit, you know, I'm, I'm thankful for my toys or I'm thankful for um, my dummy or I'm thankful for um, whatever it is that they, they look at. And we think, oh, that doesn't seem very deep or, but it, it's just what's on their heart. It's just exactly what they're thinking. And, and I love that. And I guess this morning I want to encourage us to come back and to have a heart like that, to just seek God with every part of our heart. It's what Jehoshaphat does. This story and, and this king, um, I'll just set it up for us quickly, is Jehoshaphat is a good king. He's a king that trusts God. Uh, he has a few weaknesses. He sort of allies with the wrong, uh, with the wrong king at one point, but, but on the most part, he's a good king. He falls into the, the good king category. Um, he trusts God, Um, the chapter before 2 Chronicles 19 verse 4 sort of gives us a bit of an an oversight of Jehoshaphat, says he lived in Jerusalem, once again he went out among the people from Beersheba to the hill country of Ephraim and brought them back to the Lord, the God of their ancestors. So they've been, these people, the the tribe of Judah, the the people of Judah had been worshipping ancestors and idols and, and all sorts of things and he brought them back to God. So he was a good king who followed God. And so chapter 20 that we just read a little bit of talks about this invasion. So after all this, after, after um, Jehoshaphat had brought reform to, to Judah, um, these three big armies, he gets word, are coming to get you and your people. This invasion is coming and this scares him. But it's his response that I think is surprising and that we want to look at. His response is, I'm going to pray first. I'm going to pray first. Prayer changes things. Prayer causes things to happen that wouldn't happen if we didn't pray. And we, we are praying people. We are believing for the impossible to happen. Jehoshaphat was like this. He was a pray first kind of guy. He was a praying people. He was a. A believer of the the God of the impossible, the God that could do something when it seemed like there was no other way. There was a few options that Jehoshaphat could have um, taken up, and there's a few options that we can take up whenever we face something, uh, somewhat of a trial. You know, Jehoshaphat had just come from maybe uh, what you might call a mountaintop experience. He'd just seen reform come to the kingdom of Judah, uh, and then. After every mountain, there's a valley. After every high, there's a low. It's just the way life works. Whenever we have a good moment in life, there's always the next day. Your team wins the grand final. It's good that day, but then the next day, it's like, that's it. Or sorry, you know, Richmond supporters, you haven't. You're probably not even thinking that anymore. And good, you shouldn't. But after every mountaintop, there's a valley. And in those valleys, in those moments, in those trials, in those hard seasons. Uh, we have options. We have options of, of how we respond. And so some of us and, and Jehoshaphat might have been tempted to panic. You know, that's, that's one option is to panic. It would have been very easy and understandable for Jehoshaphat to panic when he heard the news of these armies coming. For him to call his generals and his armies and get ready to fight and say, come on, what are we going to do? How are we going to? We're, we're doomed. This is not going to end well for us. We, we better run. We better panic. Um, But he didn't do that. His instinct was to pray. When we face the impossible, we need to pray. We need to believe that God can save us and deliver us. Another option that Jehoshaphat and we can choose is anger. It would have been very easy for Jehoshaphat to get angry at God at this point. Jehoshaphat had just brought his people back to God. He'd just done so much good um, and, you know, you could almost imagine him thinking, well, God, look at all the things I've just done for you. Um, surely you can look after me. God, what are you doing? I've, I've brought these people back to you. And now this, and when we're following God and, and bad things happen, trials come our way, valleys, um, seasons where it's, it's dark and, and things don't look good. We can easily turn and, and get angry at God. God, why me? Why this? Why now? What have I done to deserve this? We can easily fall into this trap. I've been doing the right thing. So panic is an option. Anger is, a, is an option. Or pride, I think, is another option. Another reaction Jehoshaphat could have had at this point would have been one of pride, to trust his army. Um, you know, He could have said, well, we're prepared for this. We're ready. We've got a trained army. We are more than ready. We're, we're capable. We've got fighting men. Maybe we're a little bit outnumbered, but... We've trained for this. We're prepared for this. Um, They did. They were prepared in some sense. You can read about that in chapter 17. But again, this is not his choice. He rather admits his lack of strength. And for a king to do this, for a king to choose not panic, not anger, not pride, but instead to choose humility, to instead to choose prayer, it's probably not going to be in your Leadership 101 books. Jehoshaphat to turn around and say, I'm scared, guys. What are we going to do? We better pray. We better pray. For a king, this is a difficult thing to do. It's not good leadership to admit that you don't know what to do and to show fear. But this is what he does. He says, I'm afraid. We need to pray. We can't do this alone. And so prayer is ultimately what Jehoshaphat turns to. He humbles himself. He is authentic before before the people around him. And ultimately, prayer comes when we humble ourselves, when we admit to our shortfalls and our inability to control things around us, when we turn to the one who does control, who the one who can turn things around, when we turn to the God of the impossible. And praying is not about getting all your words right, but rather it's it's more important to turn our hearts to God, to really seek Him, to call out, to not focus on the problem or the, the, the valley or the the army that's in the way, but rather to to turn to God and remind ourselves of the God that we serve, the powerful God, the God who has delivered us before, to call out to him. And the prayer of Jehoshaphat, which you can read um, from verse sort of five onwards, is focused on God and not the problem. It's focused on who God is, on what God has done and what God will continue to do. I love the last line of this prayer in which Jehoshaphat leads, he says, Our God, will you not judge them? Verse 12, for we are powerless before this vast number that comes to fight against us. We don't know what to do, but we look to you. And I think this is such a good motto for prayer. We don't know what to do, but we know where to look. We don't know what to do, but we know where to look. And maybe in your life you're facing uh, a time where things are bad. There's an uncertainty about the future. We don't know what to do, but we look to you. Make f- prayer your first choice, your first instinct. It's what Jehoshaphat does. And all of Judea and Jerusalem pray. And in the middle of this prayer meeting, there's a congregation, you can read it, just summarising here, a guy named Jahiz, Jahi, Jahaziel, Jahaziel comes uh, with this prophetic word for the king. And he says... Amongst other things, in in verse 15 to 2 Chronicles 20, he says, Listen carefully, all Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast number, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Now, I think we need to be reminded of the gift of prophecy and what it does for God's people. It changes perspective. It elevates faith. It points to the work of the Spirit, enables people to trust God deeper. And so I want to encourage you not to neglect the gift of prophecy. Don't think that prophecy is just for the charismatic person on a stage. It's for each of us. It's when we see see someone going through something or we um, hear the words of God, we read them in Scripture, we can prophesy. We can speak God's words plainly. It's not about fortune telling or making up the future. Saying things like, God says, trust me. I'll look after the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. I'll surely look after you. Or God says, when you humble yourself and pray, I'll hear you and answer your prayer. Or God says, don't be afraid. Surely I am with you. Remind people of the promises of God, the words of God that he's already spoken. It builds faith. It changes perspective. We each need it. So that's what happens. This guy prophesies and gives Jehoshaphat this word of encouragement, and it surely did this for Jehoshaphat. It elevates his faith. He went from being afraid to implying perhaps the boldest battle strategy that we've ever seen. You can just imagine him saying, "All right guys, this is how we went. Sword's down, violin's up. And you could hear the soldier saying, "Oh, I don't know if I can throw a violin as, as good as I can fight with a sword. Uh, I don't know if it'll kill anyone, but and I like the violin. I don't want to break it." And then he said, no, 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 you're misunderstanding. I don't want the soldiers to use the violin. Soldiers at the back, musos at the front. And then the soldiers think, oh, good, I'm glad. (laughs) I don't think it will work. I'm glad they're going from the front because they'll die first and then I'll still keep my sword and uh, clean up the mess, hide behind behind these bunch of creative, off-with-the-fairies types. It's so illogical to put the musicians up the front. You can imagine the board meeting, the members meeting, the Jehoshaphat holding. It's not a good idea, Jehoshaphat. Um, in fact, I don't think we could think of a better idea. This is just terrible. Call it off. But Jehoshaphat has been seeking God. He's been hearing from God and he is full of faith. He is full of faith. So the singers and the musicians, equally uh, as, full as, as full of faith, head out the front declaring the praise of God. And wouldn't you know it, these three armies, Turn on each other and kill each other. No one survives. You can imagine maybe they heard the music coming and they're on the other side of the mountain. they thinking, oh man, the music, it should, it's too loud. Oh, it's not loud enough. Oh, it's, it's, the song's too old or the song's too new. They need more drums. They need less drums. They need more melody, less harmony, more harmony. Sounds like some churches today just fighting amongst themselves about the music and just missing the entire point that it is there to praise God. And over the hill they come, the armies are wiped out. The singing had proved powerful in the midst of battle. In a time where we're not coming together to sing corporately, I want to encourage you, don't stop singing. Don't ever stop praising God. It's not about the song, it's not about the volume, it's not about the melody, it's not about the newness of the song. It's about the intent of your heart, words from your lips. Sing a song, pray your prayers. They are powerful weapons in the things that we uh, face in our life. When I hear my boys sing, I don't think, oh gee, that could have sounded better. They got the words wrong again. I just want to lean in and hear them. And if someone came along and says, that doesn't sound very good, what would I do? I'd probably just flatten them like God does the Moabites. I just want to hear my boys sing. And I think when we sing, when we praise, when we come to God like a child, God just leans in and and he looks around for enemies and he, he wipes them out. He deals with them. God loves it when you sing. God loves it when you turn to him. God looks around to see any enemy in the way and says, I'll deal with them. So I want to encourage us this morning through this story of Jehoshaphat to turn to God, to seek Him first, to pray to Him, to sing His praises. On the mountaintops, yes, but especially in the valley. Our best and most useful weapon is God and His power. So let's turn to Him together. Let's turn to Him and pray when we desperately need Him. And I think we're in a season where we need to see God move. We need to see God come and and move amongst us, our people, to move in our community, to restore people back to himself. So I want to pray for that now, and I really encourage you to join me wherever you find yourself today. God, we turn to you this morning, and we ask that you would have your way, that you would stir our faith, you would enable us to, to be bold like Jehoshaphat, to turn to you first, and to, to sing your praises in the midst of, for the, the tougher seasons we might face, to believe that you are the God of the impossible. God, we pray for our community. We pray for the people around us and we pray that we might be a light in the dark place, that we might help people see Jesus in all his glory, that we might help people come to know the, the fullness of the gospel. God, would you use us as a church? Would you use us as a people to glorify you and to bring people into right relationship with you? We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Well, I want to thank you again so much for joining us today. Um, like Pastor Jackie said, we're not doing any Zoom after parties for the next couple of weeks. Instead, we're encouraging you to get together with someone. So maybe now church is finished and you've got no one around. Why don't you send someone a message, see if you can organise a quick lunch, catch up, or um, find a, somewhere to meet outside in the park or something, and, and just get to get together with some other people from church. and and see each other face-to-face, mask-to-mask, and uh, enjoy each other's fellowship and company. Have a great week, and we'll see you again next Sunday.